Hello and welcome to our podcast. My name's Cameron. I'm going to be one of your hosts this evening. My name's Finlay. I'm going to be the co-host. Lovely. So let's get started. We're going to be doing a quick intro slash icebreaker with you guys. So with the icebreaker, you're going to be telling us your name and title and how many words your title has and then explaining that to Finley's little brother who is eight years old so that everyone can understand it. Hello, my name's Jennifer Reynolds. I'm the Deputy Head of Children's Commissioning. Deputy Head of Children's Commissioning. So that's five words. Um, a brief description to uh, Finley's younger brother, Joseph. Hello, Joseph. Um, I am responsible for um, deciding additional support children and families within the area that I work in need. So we will think about what things, what extra bits of help do some children and families need. We will then design that service and we then try and find a really good organisation to run that service for us so that it works really well for children and families. And we will then check that that is working well and if it isn't working well, we make sure we do something about it. And then at the end, we look at what we've done. We look at what that, that, what that service has provided for us and decide what things have worked really, really well that we want to keep and what things have not worked so well that we would do differently the next time round. And try and make sure that we are getting the most for our money that we absolutely can. Does that make sense? Yes. Hey, hi everyone. So I'm Jo Rich and I'm the head of Youth Voice at the Lottery. So four words, um, it's the National Lottery Community Fund that I work for. We used to be called Big Lottery. And how I'm going to explain my role to you, um, lovely Joseph, is my role is about making sure that we hear all children and young people's voices throughout the funds that we give out. So all the money that we're giving out, we just want to make sure that the funds are going to the right people, especially um, children and young people, and hear their voices and make sure it's going to the right places. Uh, yes, from Joseph? Yes. Awesome. Hi Joseph, my name's Ellie uh, and I am a Joint Commissioning Manager for Children and Families, so that's seven words which is a lot and uh, they probably don't really mean very much uh, to you so the joint bit means that I work for both the NHS which is all about health services, you've probably seen all the signs saying thank you NHS uh, and I work jointly for local government or the council who you might know for doing your bins or schools or other services. So I work for two different organisations and we try and make them work more closely together because in the past they haven't always worked so well together. And so like what Jennifer does, I do a lot of the looking at what services we do have at the moment and what things children and families need and how can we best help them and how can we best make sure that children and families have all the things that they need to thrive and succeed in life um, and where they don't how we can get them the most amount of help to do that. Hi everybody my name is Claire Shields I'm the corporate director for commissioning quality assurance and partnerships in Dorset um, my job is um, pretty similar, I think. Um, I try to understand what services and support children, young people and families in Dorset need. Um, 
think about the best way to buy those or provide those from um, different people. Try to understand which ones are good, um, which ones aren't so good and make them better if they're not. Um, and understanding which partners and which people I need to work with um, in Dorset to make sure that we make the best use of all the money we have together. Yeah. Not from Joseph. Thanks, Joseph. Hello, um, I'm Hannah. And the title I'm going with today is I'm the Chair of Children in Care and Care Leaver Council for Dorset. Uh, so if you teach Joseph, that would mean that I am partially responsible for listening to all the views of children that are in care in Dorset and making sure those views are heard and acted upon. Um, hi, I'm Lauren, and I don't really have an official job title, but if I made one up, it would be uh, Youth Voice Pioneer, Inspector and Researcher, which is six words. Uh, hello everyone, my name's Naki. Um, my unofficial title is the man, the myth, the legend, but you know, feel free to use that if you wish. Um, my official title is Chair of the Ones with Youth Council, which is six words. And what that is, is basically like, I'm like a team leader, so to speak, of like the Youth Council in general. And we try and organise like different campaigns, such as knife crime and mental health. And sometimes I also act as just part of the group while others try and take charge so then they also learn the skills to then become the chair in the future. That makes sense. Excellent. So uh, I was kind of thinking which title to use because I have a few, but um, for mine it's uh, Deputy Member of Youth Parliament for Dorset. So it's seven words. Hi, I'm Mahro or Mark, uh, and I'm a Young Commissioner for Greenwich, which is four words. And I'm also a mental health ambassador for Greenwich, which is five words. So I work in commissioning services in the Greenwich Borough. Makes sense. Hi everyone. So my name's Jummy, um, and my role is as the head of joint commissioning children's services, seven words. And similar to everyone else, actually, the, the most people have mentioned, my role is around how I work with a range of people, so children, families, partners across the council and also the NHS, looking at how we can put services in place for children and young people, and making sure that the services we put in place work well. Awesome. I believe we've now got everybody. So a massive thank you to Finley's little brother, Joseph. We're now going to move on to the new COVID-19 policy that are obviously being eased. We were just wondering how you reckon these new, new measures are going to affect you guys. I mean, I think it depends um, because like for me, I, I, like, I could be going back to work within a week. So uh, for me, like the whole idea of one metre plus. So it's just kind of the hope that people do actually stick to social distancing. Yeah, I think that's something that is a really big issue obviously but I think it's also important to bear in mind that people have seemingly been struggling to follow social distancing in shops anyway and the fact that they have the freedom to go into non-essential shops now my main fear about that is that they are going to become a lot less afraid when they go into an essential shop bearing in mind we have worked throughout this entire pandemic so why would they put our lives at risk now? And I think there is, it's, it's, I think it's going to relax people too much and there is certain information that is being misunderstood. And I think 
the use of masks is just not being used effectively. We have people come into our shop who've been wearing a mask outdoors and then as soon as they come to get served by me, they take it down. Our screens are there to make you feel safe because we it's too hot for us to wear a mask so it's there for you to feel safe we still have to pass things to you so hand hygiene and staying two meters away from us when we're stacking shelves is still so important and i think the whole one meter rule is going to make my job a whole lot more difficult given that people aren't following it in the first place so I guess our next point is, as you're aware, many people have been travelling to Bournemouth or having illegal raves. Do we think that this is going to affect people's views of young people? I think a lot of the emphasis in the media, at least from some sources, has been that young people are to blame. At least that's the perception that some people we've spoken to have got when actually the data suggests it's a lot more people in their 20s and above who are coming down, it's not often family and young people who are causing the issues. So I guess we should just move on to what we're here to talk about today, which is youth voice funding and things of that nature. So we're going to go straight in to talk about how young people will produce documents and things like that. So many young people want to be involved in creating documents but don't have the opportunity. So how would you guys as young people like to be involved in that process? So thinking about commissioning documents and contracts and things like that, I think one of the key things is we need to be involved from start to finish. And that includes writing the spec, choosing who gets the contract, and then being fed back changes to the contract. And the important thing is not just having young people there during meetings, also making sure we understand what's going on, because contracts can be very long and wordy and filled with legalese potentially. And it's important to do what we call youth proofing those documents, making them, formatting them and wording them in a way that anyone can understand, which should be done anyway, really. But it's even more important when you're involving young people. Um, Naki, I believe you had a point about this. I mean, I could talk about young commissioners if that's what you're insinuating, in which case I'll be happy to plug um, that. No, you had a point about um, inviting young people to meetings. Oh, yes, the meetings fiasco. Oh, so I'll try to keep this as PG as I can because I'm very vocal about this topic. But what it essentially is, is that I think, it's like Finley just said, like young people need to get more involved from start to finish so that we have a detailed idea about what's going on at the start, what kind of ideas they have, how they're going to implement that, and then how that effect is going to look towards the future. So in terms of getting young people involved in meetings, it's, it's like if you invite a counsellor or a decision maker to your meeting and they're like, oh, yeah, sure, we'd be happy to invite you to one of our meetings sometime in blah, blah, blah. And then blah, blah, blah comes and the meeting doesn't happen or the young people are just not notified of when it happens. So what the change should be is that young people and decision makers need to have that detailed conversation about okay, let's try and do like a trade-off perhaps of like some of our young people go to your meeting, your decision makers come to our meeting, maybe like once every quarter or once every six months just to keep that steady flow of like continuous reciprocated feedback with one another. And yeah, just, just for young people to be also be like heard and listened to and acknowledged, 
not just being like passive listeners, but like, okay, yeah, you got a good point, but I'm not really going to do anything about that. So it's just like taking our feedback, putting it on board, but it's also about cooperating with the decision makers as well so that young people have more of a say and then it's actually a joint effort, not just one higher than the other. Um, I would say I completely agree with that because I can tell in my line of work that people like having their voices heard, like the youth like having their voices heard and they like having their inputs in things because if there's going to be policies or contracts that affects us, then it is like fundamental to get um, the youth voice um, heard and for us to be involved in the decision-making process just quite as much as anybody else. Like in a lot of the mental health work that we do, there's like lots of stigma, but people like hearing things from the youth rather than just adults telling them the same thing or different things coming in from professionals or decision makers. I think it's really important to have like youth involvement. I was also going to give some examples following on from Mark. So Mark's already involved in our Mental Health Ambassadors programme. But in terms of our Young Commissioner programme, what we've kind of learnt over the years is that We've got a lot of people who want to involve young people, but what tends to happen is that you get the information and you don't always kind of feed back to young people so they don't know that they've been listened to or don't have a reason or know that if their suggestions haven't been taken up, why that was the case. So that's something we've been trying to build in now, that you have a regular feedback. So every time you speak to a, a, a youth group or young people, there's a proper plan around it and also a plan for how you're going to feed back on whatever's happened, whether it's positive or negative, it's just important to feed back to everyone. I think, yeah, you've said exactly what I wrote an entire blog post about. I'm going to just plug that. It's on the Participation People website. But I was just going to say that that is um, something that I find myself and if they don't mind me saying on behalf of them, we all find really sort of productive. We actually had a conversation, an entire conversation about feedback before we started recording this podcast. And one of the things that I wrote about in my blog was the importance of promises and how that might link into the idea of smart targets, which is something typically used in schools to encourage young people to revise and get those good grades. But how can adults and decision makers be using those to help us sort of reverse those roles a little bit. SMART stands for sensible, measurable, achievable, timed targets. So what happens is it is a realistic target and then you feed back on us and it's sort of having that discussion with the decision makers means that there are less excuses down the line and they can't really say oh we weren't really sure what kind of feedback you wanted because we've already had that discussion it means it's already there and I think that was something that was really important for us to put across is that we as young people need to be helping decision makers know what they're doing as well as just sort of expecting them to know. Yeah I agree. I Hi, everybody. I just want to talk a little bit about some of the documents that we've prepared in Dorset for some of our more successful um, commissioning projects. I think there's lots of different ways that we involve children and young people um, about asking what they need when we're doing our needs assessments and, and listening to what we've already heard through surveys and other things other mechanisms for capturing feedback. But one of the really successful things that we've done for some of our contracts is where we've asked young people to write the service specification for what that service should look like in their own words and thinking about two different things. Sometimes it's what are the quality standards that would make the service look good or what's been really successful is when young people tell us about what are the type of people that they want 
working in this organization and both those things are really important and we put them together and put them along with the specification because you're right um, somebody mentioned um, big contract documentation with legal words and we do have to do all that business but there's no reason why we can't use um, young people's words themselves and put that out as part of the contract and what we find has happened is those people then when they're responding to those opportunities the people that can respond to the young people's questions are usually the best providers um, and then we've involved young people in interviews with providers around um, letting them ask um, the providers what is it um, that they'll do for them and how will this work so it's been really effective for us and some of our best contracts have been the ones where the young people have written a specification for themselves. Lovely Joe. I believe you had something you'd like to add? Yeah I was just going to echo what Claire said and what you've all said about feedback and um, I've been in youth participation over 15 years and for me that is the biggest thing is making sure that any information that young people have given us how if they're not involved in the whole journey which I do believe strongly that they should be if they can't be for whatever reason then how are you feeding back to that and there's been some great learning with one of the um, funded pieces that we've done as a called the listening fund and that's all about looking at 22 different organizations and taking learning from them and how they've really listened to young people and how it's changed their organization just to kind of share that learning across other organizations and see how it can be done and and how it is worth putting that time and effort in to do the feedback loop as well as obviously implementing youth voice and there's like a variety of ways that that it can be done and, and every organization takes takes each bit differently and um, some of the examples I've seen is like you're taking a document but then asking young people to be creative with that how would you then share that message with other organizations or with other young people so they've created it into a film for example or done like what you guys are doing you know having it as a, um, a discussion piece but it's young people at the face of that that's what we're trying to change at the National Lottery it's about looking at how can young people be the voice of this learning of these funds because they're often the beneficiaries and often the ones that can be in the lead with with making those changes as well so for it to come from them directly I think yeah that sort of whole idea of it coming from it directly and I something I really liked what you said was about feedback loops and I think that fits in to something quite nicely about what I was going to say about timescales and timelines and promises and how useful they can be and sort of having a timeline for that feedback loop and so sort of actually sitting down with the young people and saying okay so I'm going to make this promise to you and then actually having the young person say so when are you going to get back to me on that and you saying oh I'll get back to you on December because then that means that we can get back to you because we understand that sometimes especially around December it gets busy you may have just lost it in an email but we can then chase you up and make sure that that work is actually being done and there is that continuous feedback loop because the whole idea of a loop is that it can go both ways and all parties need to be involved. So I just wanted to ask you amazing young people about, so in Hounslow, we are very much at the start of our journey of involving young people in our commissioning processes. And it's not something that we've done in the past, but since working with participation people, we have seen the importance of it. And I think everyone has always acknowledged the importance of it, but they've just not known how to do it before. And um, since working with participation people have been able to understand how best to do that, which has been really good in terms of early steps. But um, there's been some really helpful uh, tips and tricks here. But I guess, it, could anyone give me a kind of number one first thing we should do um, 
So for example, one service um, that I would like to make now with our learning from COVID is a new mental health hub so that all referrals to all mental health services go through one place and that there's advice lines etc there and that they get triaged and sent to the correct service through that hub so for example who would you what would you say is the best thing that i could start by doing this because i've literally just come up with this idea and someone said make it happen so advice much appreciated i think if because my understanding was that you were going to target a specific group sort of mental health services wasn't it yeah yeah um i think something i put into the chat was about experts by experience and the fact that you need to be talking to young people that understand what the service that you're trying to improve so if you are trying to improve a mental health service you need to talk to people who have been through it because they are going to be the people that know exactly what needs to change what made them happy what they weren't happy with and i think it's really important to do that in a sensitive manner but obviously take advantage sort of figure out using anonymous questionnaires and making them feel as comfortable so that you can use experts by experience to the best of their ability because they are so valuable to your services especially young people that's really helpful thank you um i just wanted to add something if that's okay in wandsworth we have how would i describe it we've we've done some very good pieces of participation but i will put my hands up now and say that that is very inconsistent so what we are moving towards in Wandsworth, we've just started a piece of work to try and get together um, an engagement strategy for the whole of the children's services department. Because we've acknowledged that some people are very good at this, some people are really, really enthusiastic about it, and other people not so much. We want that consistency. We know that talking to children and young people is gonna deliver us the best services, and we know involving children and young people in the commissioning cycle is gonna give us the best services. But we have inconsistency. We want it consistent across the whole department and we want buy-in from all levels. If we get the buy-in from the top, then it means that everybody needs to take responsibility for ensuring that children and young people are involved at all stages. We will be working with participation people to help us with that. We acknowledge that we, and I say we as in the slightly older adults within the department, we are not always up to speed on the best way in which to engage with children and young people so we'll be working closely with participation people to use their expertise um, and also they will be helping us to recruit some children and young people to get involved in the development of the strategy we want that strategy to have targets in it um, smart targets yes please and we want and we want the children and young people to be holding us to account and telling us what we are doing right and where we need to improve. I think the important thing to remember as well is that, that children and young people's voice has to be an integral part of everything that we do. It's not a one-off exercise. We're guilty of that sometimes. We'll say, oh, we'll do a service user feedback questionnaire. In my mind, that's not good enough. We need to get better at making this an ongoing process. So children and young people are involved continually. I think it's important to have experts by experience as well because it increases the reliability factor from the youth to see, oh, someone has already been through this. So maybe it is like, like applicable to me too. And I think uh, like, especially for like mental health services, because that's what I mostly work in. And it's, it just increases like the reliability factor and encourages further participation and like access to such services from the youth.
Awesome. So we're going to move on to young people being involved in grant opportunities. I believe Naki had an example he wanted to give. Um, so I think it's that time where I can plug uh, young commissioners and maybe the youth panel as well if we've got enough time. So yeah, I feel I'll start with young commissioners. Um, it's basically just a group of young people. I think we've had two groups aged from like 12 to 15 and then we have another group aged 16 to about early 20s, I believe. Just so then, because at the first glance they just wanted to have like a nice broad opinion of how services should be changed and what commissioners do is that over the next say couple of months we'll be looking at different mental health services in Wandsworth such as Catch 22, uh, Place to Be, the CAMS Mental Health Trailblazer and we'll basically be doing like a Zoom call with some of the staff from each service and we're just going to be like answering asking them some questions about how they feel the environment is in the building that they're situated in, maybe how the young people receive the counselling or support from like schools or the mental health services that they go to. Is it effective? Is it actually working or not? And then from that, we sort of determine a decision on whether they deserve to be commissioned for another year or they're still doing good, but just give them like that further boost that they might need. So if we say that okay you might not get commissioning for the for the next year it we just basically give them feedback on how they can improve how they can interact more with young people or try and improve that experience for them and then sort of taking that feedback and we'll sort of look at them again in about a year's time just to see if they've actually taken on the improvements that we've given them and yeah that's basically it that sounds great, Naki. It's really great to hear. I've also heard of the Young Advisors and they do, there's a couple of them in Southwark and um, another area of London that I think are doing great stuff. I was just going to jump in to talk about um, from a funding point of view as well. So my role is new to the lottery and it's because over a third of our funding goes to children and young people projects. So we give out nearly 200 million pounds a year to children and young people projects um, and what they wanted was to embed youth voice into the way that we work so as to make sure that all that money is being spent in the right way and, and in the right projects so just going back to a point that was made earlier embed is key, is key so not only are we looking at how we can involve young people in the decision making but I've got a team of young people that are looking at every aspect of what the lottery does for me it's always about like looking at every area so it's not just about your kind of bread and butter like the mechanism so you know for, for us it's like looking at building knowledge of staff on children and young people projects making sure that they've um, also working alongside children and young people in their communities but it's also about looking at you know are we encouraging a younger um, a younger staff team for example so we're kind of resembling what we do in in everything um, to the point of making sure in the governance structure that we've got representation there so it kind of goes throughout all of our mechanisms and all of our funding and how it goes out but I think the key for me was um, I, I was really lucky to work on this incredible program about 10 years ago and it was with an organization called Live Unlimited and I was the only adult in the in, in the whole process and it was young people that designed the fund it was young people that made decisions on the fund and it was young people that got the fund the whole thing was all young people led and it was just incredible and I've always worked alongside young people and young people and anything you can't 
build a strategy, for example, an engagement strategy without having young people there. So it's all about doing that with a team. But I think programmes like that just prove that young people can do all of it. So just make sure that we're believing them at the time. It's just the support mechanism around them that is the key. One other thing that participation people have done with some of us recently is they were writing a bid for a project in Dorset. And one of the things we did was we got some of us Youth Voice pioneers who were interested and we spent probably about five hours in the end of video calls spread out across a few weeks. And we wrote the bid together, which was a great experience for us because it was quite easy doing it remotely in this new kind of working environment and we used some kind of a virtual sticky note board and kept in contact that way and although the bid was thousands of words we got the basically the essence of what we wanted to do we worked through together using the experiences that we'd all had together of various projects that we've done before and how that could be applied to what we were writing the bid for and I think that's important too from the kind of organisation side an organisation point of view is when applying for bids get young people involved in that too because they know what will work what might not and I think that will come across in the bid writing as well. So in Wandsworth we have the Youth Opportunity Fund where a grant of money is released by the council and then a panel of young people is then in charge of it sort of like a dragon's den situation and then groups of young people can come to the panel and pitch for a certain amount of funding and then that panel can then decide whether they can partially fund or fully fund or not fund at all any projects that are put towards the panel and it's very interesting to give young people the role of a a decision maker like the that they are that we as young people are in charge of a sum of money and it's very interesting to find out how like we are the experts like we are in charge and to have that sort of power over like commissioning projects and like funding it's just such a very and it's very empowering situation you get to look at all types of different aspects like you've got to look at what are good bids, what are bad bids, and assessing whether to fund different projects. Just look at what what, what projects you might want to fund or what not to fund. And we funded some amazing projects that have really helped young people in the borough and the community. And those projects have gone on to do amazing things like we funded karate classes, we've gone on to fund dance classes, some residentials for a few council, and it's all resulted in amazing outcomes and it's just an amazing program. I just want to say that sounds really interesting it's something we've been looking at in Greenwich for a little while trying to think about how we can develop a, a fund and opportunities fund and actually we haven't got it quite right I mean we, we probably didn't do enough in terms of thinking about the structure of it and how we're going to be able to support the young people in sort of the decision making and ensuring there's no, enough information about what the remit is of the fund so that's sort of our learning but I'd be really interested to learn how it's worked in Wandsworth because it sounds really great and actually so we can apply some of those in our fund in Greenwich. One of the things going back to what uh, Naki was talking about a bit earlier with um, mental health commissioning is in Dorset we run youth inspections for services that are commissioned by the council so I've done a few so far one of the ones we did for example was Hansbury Career Advice And uh, they're commissioned by the council to go into various schools and take charge of the careers advice offered. And we looked at various things and essentially our role is, is it 
fit for young people to use looking at can they access it is the communication right and what approach is being taken in that case in kind of face-to-face -face interviews and sessions and i think that's quite important to do because that's part of the making sure that young people are involved from start to finish not only once the contract is out but also looking at especially with more permanent contracts looking at whether things are going to plan what can be improved what recommendations can be implemented and then once that report's written then to following up um, on the recommendations themselves hi uh, it's claire here um, i just wanted to add how valuable as commissioner that type of service offer is to us we take the findings of those youth inspections really really seriously um, and we use the information um, that we get from them to um, monitor providers and make sure they're delivering what they say they do. It comes into every contract um, monitoring meeting and we follow up those action plans. And the work and the insight that comes from those youth inspections um, is so much more than we get in our sort of quarterly written reports, just really feeling and seeing um, what those services are like and how people are experiencing them is really, really important to us. So um, we love it and we love a good youth inspection as they come through. Awesome. So what I was going to say is, as a young person, I get very nervous about going into things like the off panel and having to do these sorts of things. So we were wondering what sort of training we think would be appropriate for young people to receive in order to do things like that. Um, I would say, I mean, I think it's quite varies depending on the type of activities that young people are involved in. But I think you, what you need is a tailored program, depending on what activity. So, for example, with our young commissioners, we have a training weekend to provide an overview of how you might be involved in commissioning all services to so the whole cycle. But where you're doing things like inspections, we have like a tailored approach with a, a quality assurance guide and like support from someone and regular meetings to kind of feedback on how that's kind of worked. So, yeah, we've got a different number of different approaches in Greenwich, but you kind of need to tailor it, I think. I think the key to any of these types of opportunities is having that wraparound support for the young people. One, so they're trained in the knowledge that they need for whatever they're about to go and do, whether it be an inspection to make decisions on grants, but also having that point of call of someone that they trust or that mentor along the journey with them, because that, that helps them to, what I've found in the past, it's definitely helping them to kind of realise all their potential and also to think about all those learnings that they've had over the last year, for example, how they then transfer those skills to their next adventure, like whether it be getting a job or to uni or whatever. Um, but having that trusted adult or mentor along that journey is, is that point of call for them as well. And just one final thing, I think just to build on Joe's point, actually, I was just thinking about the incentives too, because that's exactly it. We, I suppose for everything that we get young people involved in, you really want to know what they're going to get out of it, like whether it's something for your CV, for example, or something that you can use on a personal statement, and kind of making sure that we're tailoring whatever they're doing the right way to achieve that, so that we're all gaining something from it. So many of us want to be involved in the interviews for different handles and things like that. Again, we were wondering what sort of training we reckon we should be given in order to go into that interview and ask the appropriate questions and know what we're doing there. We've got um, lots of um, different types of involvement of children and young people in our interview panels and recruitment panels for job interviews um, can often be easier to train for. And we do some in-depth work around understanding what is the job 
to do? Um, what do young people think is most important? And then how um, to best ask questions and know how to score questions and be able to feedback in a way that can help other panels make decisions. But I wanted to go back um, a little bit to some of the panels where we've involved young people in our commissioning conversations and, and to talk about how those work and the training that we do. So we've done um, some light touch training around understanding what commissioning is and, and what the legal responsibilities are, um, as well as what the services are trying to achieve and help young people write their own specifications um, and then understand how to take interview questions and the need for confidentiality and how that would work. Our best example of getting good services where we were doing alternative education commissioning and um, that's for young people who can't attend school um, and need to go somewhere else and some of our farm-based activities in Dorset came forward with plans and they brought a sheep with them to do their presentation to the young people um, and it was the best commissioning that we've ever done so there's something about the training um, for our young people um, but also the training for our providers so we had to do some work with our providers to let them know that young people um, were going to be on the panel and some of them are really scared. So I think it's two-way commissioning and training really, some for young people, but also a lot of adults need some support to understand how best to communicate with young people and that's what we find through our commission and we needed to do a bit of both. Awesome, so we were just wondering about what young people were able to contribute to the different interview processes that will take place. Um, Well, I think it's definitely getting a young person's perspective, really. I mean, I can't say that we as commissioners can speak on behalf of young people in the borough and, you know, confidently. You want young people to have gathered the information from their peers and they're not just representing themselves as individual young people. They're representing, you know, their peers and the people they go to school with. And actually what I found from our experience with interview panels with our young commissioners is they really get those questions that we as commissioners just don't even think about that make the providers squirm and that they haven't thought about either. And I think that's what works so well in making sure we have a young person's panel at all those commissioning projects. I was just going to add, I think there's just something really valuable about young people holding professionals accountable for their services. And I think it reminds people about why they do the job they do, because sometimes it can be quite detached. So it's very important. Awesome. So now I believe we want to move on to our takeaways. Yeah, so the first lot of takeaways are for young people. And the first one is, if you're taking part in kind of youth participation and stuff like this, make sure to ask decision makers to attend more of your kind of leadership team meetings and regular meetings. Make sure they know what you're about. And the other thing is, ask decision makers for updates on commissions and hold them accountable to any promises or timelines that were made when um, having those contracts or when they said they'd get back to you with feedback. Our third takeaway for young people is that don't be afraid to voice feedback as it is valuable and could be used to make a service better. And our fourth takeaway is be willing to discuss smart targets, which are sensible, measurable, achievable, realistic and timescaled to provide decision makers with achievable goals on a relative timeline. And our last takeaway for young people is to bear in mind that decision makers are very busy people and you've got to be mindful when chasing them up that you might not get a response from them straight away. Next we've got takeaways for decision makers. First of all we've got to look for opportunities to include young people in meetings and consultations. It's all well and good saying that you want to involve youth voice but if you aren't proactive in doing that then it's a little bit pointless. And 
make young people involved from start to finished in a project that you're trying to improve because if you're going to have us there have us there for the whole journey so that we can advise you and help you throughout our third takeaway for decision makers is to make sure that you do take young people's feedback on board and explain if appropriate why feedback wasn't taken on board our fourth one is to make more appointments to engage with young people and organisations to get feedback to build up a relationship. Our fifth takeaway is keep updating young people on contract changes to ensure there is clear communication and awareness of changes. And our last takeaway is make sure that if young people are involved in commissioning, that the language used is youth friendly and can be understood. If you're listening to this, make sure to share us on social media participation people and you can go to our website and read Trevona's blog that we mentioned. Yeah, www.participationpeople.com. Plug it, everything, Facebook, Twitter, Insta, anywhere. Do it, please. World domination here. Yeah, let's go. Awesome. A massive thank you for everyone's coming. I hope you have a great day and really enjoyed the podcast. How was that for you guys? Brilliant. Yeah. Great. Right. Yeah. Five star Uber rating right there. Ha, <laughs> <laughs>